Welcome to Trailblazing with Corbett Price, where we present new and fresh perspectives that challenge how you approach change to solve some of the biggest challenges faced by business and government leaders today. Here's our host, Andy Corbett, to introduce our new series on organisational health. Hi there, I'm Andy Corbett and I'm the Managing Director of Corbett Price. And I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome you to the inaugural season of our brand new podcast series. Over the next seven action-packed weeks, we'll be introducing you to an amazing lineup of trailblazers who will share their insights on the fascinating topic of organizational health. So buckle up and get ready to explore the dimensions of a healthy and thriving workplace. As you may know, employee well-being has become an increasingly important issue in recent years. And with financial stress, burnout, and work-life balance struggles on the rise, it's crucial for organizations to take charge and prioritize their employees' well-being, productivity, and retention. And in one of our recent articles, we dive deep into the concepts of wellness, inspired by Dr. Bill Hetler's work from 1976 and the Employment Heroes Wellness at Work report. We identified seven interrelated dimensions of organizational health and wellness. They include number one, physical, the operating environment. Two is mental, related to agility and resilience. Three is financial and performance and health. Four is occupational, related to the employee experience. Five is relational, and this is all about workplace culture. Six is purpose and leadership. And seven is recreational, all about learning and development. And these dimensions are interconnected and essential for an organization's overall health. If even one of them is off kilter, it can disrupt the harmony and balance of the entire organization. So in this groundbreaking series, we'll be exploring each dimension in depth, featuring inspiring conversations with trailblazers who will share their unique perspectives and approaches to enhancing the overall well-being of an organization. And in today's premiere episode, we'll dive into the first dimension of organizational health, the physical operating environment. This encompasses how leaders connect their organization's purpose with its operations, thus creating an effective operating model that includes people, culture, processes, technology, and more. A comprehensive operating model is fundamental for identifying inefficiencies, implementing changes without causing disruption, and connecting employees with the purpose behind their work. And in fact, PwC's 2023 CEO survey revealed that 40% of global CEOs believe their organizations will struggle to remain viable in the next decade without significant reinvention. And with more than 80% of executives agreeing that advanced operating models enable reinvention, according to Accenture Strategy Research, it's clear that the future of business depends on embracing change. So what are the key factors driving this need for reinvention? How do operating models enable businesses to adapt and thrive? And most importantly, how can leaders take the necessary steps 
to optimize their organizations for success. Stay tuned as we explore these pressing questions and much more in today's enlightening episode. And for this first discussion, I'm going to switch hats and be on the other side of the microphone. And with me today, I've got my colleague, Lauren Chowdhury. Lauren's gonna be asking me some questions regarding this first dimension. And Lauren is an associate director and heads up training at Corbett Price. Uh, she's got over 10 years of experience in strategy and transformation and is a star performer in our organization. Hey, Lauren, how are you today? Hey, Andy, thanks so much. That's always nice to hear. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, all right, shall we get started? Let's get started, Lauren. Be, be, go easy on me, please, if that's all right. <laughs> oh, never, never, never. Um, <laughs> look, I think there are many you know, misconceptions about what an operating model actually is and the value it can really bring. Um, one of these, I think, is narrowly defining it as an organization structure. Can you explain what an operating model is and why it's important for organizations? Absolutely. And that is a great question. And it's a great question because I've heard so many misconceptions about what an operating model is and, you know, organization structure is certainly one of them, but it's, it's also ranged from, you know, operating rhythm through to just lines and boxes on a page. And, and the reality is it's, it's much more than that. It's, um, it's a concept that's extremely powerful. It's, it's powerful because it cuts through all the complexity that you experience in conversations that you have with colleagues or from reviewing documentation, et cetera. And it really helps you to visualize exactly how the organization operates and the value it brings to both its customers and its stakeholders. And it's, it's powerful and helps to simplify things just because it's, it's very engaging it's visual and, uh, and very polished and, and graphical to the point where it's just, you know, people love to see things visually. It helps them to really simplify, uh, the complexity and understand, uh, understand exactly how the organization delivers value to customers and so forth. So I guess that's, that's important, but even more powerful is the ability to then bridge the gap between a company's strategy and its execution. Um, that's and that's also an extremely powerful aspect of the op model. And that's really because people can actually connect what they're doing in their day-to-day -day role with why they're doing it, i.e. The, the overarching purpose of the organization. Mm, that's so, that me, that's always missing, isn't it? It's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. It is, it is. And, um, you know, there's people sometimes you know, come to work, they, they're not sure exactly how they fit into the bigger picture and it, and they sort of work within their, within their silo and they, they want, they, they've got a, the intention to really, you know, do the best they can within the job that they're working on, but it's, they're missing that bigger picture, um, view, which would really help them to connect exactly what they're doing with, with why they're doing it. And so again, that's 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 where an op model can really help it's also you know it's a i guess in terms of how you would define an operating model it's it's a clear understanding of the organization's capabilities processes and technology 
Um, it's also great because you can identify any weaknesses uh, within the current model. And, and then obviously, if you can do that, you can find remedies that better align with the strategy. And what I always find is that when you're trying to explain these concepts, uh, the use of analogies is, is quite is quite important. And so if I was to use an analogy for an operating model, I would probably use a, a city's, say a city's public transportation system, for example. So if you think about a transportation system, it's, it's, it's it must efficiently move people from one place to another, just as an organization must efficiently deliver value to its customers and stakeholders. And so looking at the operate model, it's very much like a, like the blueprint of the transportation system uh, and the, the blueprint, which defines the routes, the schedules, the modes of transportation that enable it to run smoothly and effectively. And I guess additionally, it also helps to improve planning and sequencing of initiatives by better understanding the dependencies across the organization. And that's important as well, because I think a lot of the time, you know, our employees that we see are, are burnt out. They're, they're having to juggle all the balls at once. And, and a lot of the time, in my experience, there's some people lack a sense of what is exactly the priority. So a not model really is that, is that clarity around what's important and what isn't. And if something doesn't align to the organization strategy, then it's an initiative that, you know, you question, why are we doing it? And so it really helps to provide that clarity on what an organization should do and importantly, what it shouldn't do so that we really um, focus on the vital few things which matter. I also just, before I just move on to the next question, I also just want to sort of clarify as well around the, the op model design and, and what it's made up of. It's, it's all elements, it's all encompassing, it's holistic, it's, you know, it's the structure, it's the accountabilities, it's governance, it's behaviors, it's the integration of those people, processes and technology to really support the strategy. And so if you've got that high level blueprint, you can then proceed with a more detailed design and ensure a cohesive approach to, um, to implementing the, the company's strategic objectives. So look, I hope that is a clear explanation of an operating model. I hope that, um, I hope that it sort of supports the idea that it's more than just an organization structure and it goes beyond just those other misconceptions that, uh, that I mentioned earlier. Definitely. I think, um, it's clear from what you said that that sort of blueprint, if it were, um, covers so many different facets of an organization. And, um, I think often these conversations can come across as incredibly high level. Um, and so it's good to see that this actually does go into quite a bit of depth across the organization and show lots of different interactions between them. Um, I suppose when we talk about things that are perhaps a little too, you know, blue sky thinking strategic level, um, often there's an issue between, you know, strategy and execution, right? 
Um, so I suppose what I'm wondering is how does that operating model help bridge the gap between the strategy and its execution? And, um, you know, how can we help, you know, everyone from your front facing um, people on in call centers all the way through to your top execs, how can we help them connect more with the strategy? Yeah, so another great question. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge that a lot of organizations face. There's another strategy document that's come out for the next three years, but people don't really know what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean for me? It's great to have that vision and it's great to have those strategic objectives, but if you can't connect, make the connection between that and the impact on your day-to-day -day role, then it really dies a death, unfortunately. And it just, it, it sits on the shelf, never to be, never to be seen again. So I think, you know, as you say, it's important to connect um, and bridge the gap between strategy and execution, because more often than not, that's where any kind of transformation can fall down. So I'll, I'll just explain why and, and what I mean by how an op model uh, connects and bridges the gap between strategy and execution. So as I said before, with the definition of an op model, it, if you, if you can clearly define the capabilities and accountabilities required to create value, um, then, uh, an operating model can help align the people, processes and technology on delivering those capabilities and ultimately the company's strategy. And that, that alignment is crucial because it, it's crucial for helping um, employees make that connection. It's, it's clear that obviously, you know, if, if, if they don't have an understanding of, of their roles and the responsibilities within the context of the company's strategic objectives, it is going to be extremely difficult for them to deliver on those extreme, on, on those strategic objectives. It's gonna be hard for them to feel engaged it's going to be hard for them to feel motivated and there might be some challenges with how committed they are to achieving those overall goals i guess um so i think if you if people have got that clarity on exactly where their boundaries of responsibilities are exactly what how the strategic initiative connects with the with the overall strategy and why they are doing what they're doing and you've got that cascade from top all the way through to the lower levels of the organization and literally everybody in that organization is on the same page then you've got full alignment and buy-in to achieving what the strategy sets out to do and on top of that you'll drive that culture of continuous improvement and agility to make sure that you can you're you're really you're continuously iterating and checking in against progress made against that, uh, that overarching strategy. So it's almost like empowering employees to really actively contribute to the company's strategic success. So I think, um, it's definitely one of the most powerful aspects of the approach. Yeah. And, and that's so important, isn't it? Having your employees truly be part of, you know, the soul of the organization, um, and, you know, I often see there's some barriers to that, right? And and as we've just spoken about, 
that connection between strategy and execution is one of them. But I also think um, communication can really become a big barrier for that. What I'd like to hear from you is how do you think leaders and managers um, at all levels, uh, you know, how can they effectively communicate value and the importance of an operating model approach to their teams? Absolutely. And again, you know, as you, as you just said, this is fundamental. This is another fundamental aspect of um, enabling the success uh, of any given strategy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's critical and it, it, it really, it, when it comes to getting everyone on board with the approach, it's, it's fundamental that we're all, um, all leaders and managers are communicating it consistently uh, on exactly what the value and importance is. So there's, there's various strategies. Uh, some things work, some things don't, but I, from my experience, um, I think these are the sort of key things that have worked, uh, for leaders and managers to really, um, articulate and, and make it clear around the value and importance of an operating model. First and foremost, it's, it's really important to share a vision of how the organization and individuals can benefit from adopting an operating model approach, really just to sell in exactly why it is beneficial for some, some of the, including some of the reasons that I've mentioned so far in this podcast. So they really need to sort of answer questions around, you know, purpose, goals, the expected outcomes of the op model. If they can do that, they can really help their teams understand the broader context and also inspire them to, to embrace the, uh, the change that, uh, that is uh, on the horizon. I think another crucial aspect of effective communication as well uh, is active uh, of communication too, sorry, is, is active listening. Uh, and you know, some of these might sound obvious, but again, active listening and communication is, is, is still quite challenging, um, in, in some of the organizations. Yeah. I think the easy things sometimes are forgotten because they're they're assumed as as just happening regardless but that's that's often not the case as we've seen in projects together in the past um and you know throughout our careers exactly that's right so it's, it's it appears to be relatively straightforward it can sometimes lack and i think it's really important that that um that leaders take time to encourage their teams to, to share their opinions get them involved embrace the ideas and, and, and gather as much feedback as they possibly can re regarding the, uh, the operating model, you know, fostering that sort of safe environment, you know, having the open and honest conversations, um, asking them to elaborate and build on ideas, um, you know, posing questions, all these things, leaders can play a really big role in just really galvanizing their teams to really uh, buy into this concept and they can really demonstrate that they value their team's input and are committed to working together to achieve the uh, company's strategic objectives. So I think to put it simply, if, uh, if leaders want to really convey the importance of an operating model, they just need to bring things, you know, get things back to basics, really use simple language use relatable examples that really resonate with their teams. Um, and I think, you know, from my experience, 
that kind of approach really helps ensure that everyone in the organization is on the same page. They understand the operating model's purpose and they understand exactly what role they're going to play during that transformation. I, I really like that um, concept of, of how important the why is for your team, right? Um, and I think as things evolve, particularly amongst the transformation, which has so many different areas that are going to impact your people, um, I think it becomes even more and more important to keep that communication flow open and keep going back to the reason why you're why you're doing it. I guess the next thing I'm thinking that we haven't covered quite yet is how do you think you can effectively adapt an organization's operating model to accommodate rapid changes in the business environment? You know, things like we say, they evolve quickly. Um, we've got market shifts, advancements in technology, got new regulations, you know, MOGs like we're having at the moment. Um, how would you approach it? Excellent question. And yes, this and, and this, the examples that you provide there around what's changing in the environment, that that's ongoing and it will continue to be ongoing forever. There's no such thing as just trans, one-off transformation. There's, it's an ever-evolving um, transformation going on because of, because of the rapid changes in the environment and the external pressures that organizations face. And so really the only way for uh for organizations to be to future proof against that is for them to be proactive flexible and resilient as much as they possibly can so i'll give you some there's, there's a lot to be said about this and probably more than what can really be covered in this podcast but from my experience i think there are some several strategies that leaders and others can can draw upon um, and that companies can really employ to stay ahead of the curve and, and, and respond effectively to these changes that are occurring around them at an ex exponential rate. Um, one approach is to really, again, it goes back to that vision, is crafting a vision that addresses how the organization will operate once changes are implemented. Again, an op model can really help to, to really support and craft that vision. Um, I mean, if you're considering the potential impacts of market shifts, technological advancements, new regulations and so forth, leaders really need to develop a clear picture of what the future might look like and then clearly communicate that vision to their teams, helping to guide them through the transition process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose like another important aspect of of adapting to changes is creating a more inclusive and sustainable work environment. Again, sort of touching upon what I just said in the previous question, I think it's it's essential that we that that uh, companies have this culture of collaboration, a culture of innovation. You know, innovation shouldn't be left to a team called innovation. It should be shared across multiple teams. It's everyone's job to collaborate and innovate to improve what the organization's doing uh, to deliver on the strategy. And they can only really do that if they're empowered to do so. Uh, if they're empowered to contribute new ideas and new solutions, that's really, you're gonna really be in a, a very good position then to adapt your operating model 
more effectively. More often than not, the people on the front line, the people you know doing the day to day, facing the challenges, facing the customers, the support staff, everyone, those are the people that really have the the best ideas and know exactly what is required to uh, to change what's working well, what might not be working so well. So it's really important to empower them and involve your people as much as you possibly can. And I think lastly, um, you know, successful adaptation involves embracing the actual transition process itself. So it's like I said before, it's recognizing that change is constant. It's not a one-off. Um, and, um, and so if that, if, if people have that sort of mindset where we we're we're always continually evolving, and if we don't, then we're in big trouble, then, um, I think, you know, the organization's best is, is, is in is best placed really to be resilient to, um, that change that's going on around them. And so doing all these things, I think companies can really help adjust their operating model as needed and, uh, and help navigate any challenge that comes their way when it comes to changes in the business environment. Yeah. Wow. It's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? How culture makes such a difference on being prepared for these things. Um, and I, I think it's certainly, like you say, it's a fast evolving world. Um, and that ability to adapt is so important. Um, I think, I, this is probably most obvious to me, and and I think from what you've said, it's it's interesting we align on that. Um, it's most obvious to me in workplace culture, uh, and when you see uh, how people are existing in their in their workplace, you can see it's a reflection of the company's values. Um, I'm really curious, how is workplace culture, in your eyes, a make or break factor? when implementing an operating model approach? Are there key steps that leaders can take to overcome that and improve on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always come back to that famous quote and the name escapes me now, um, but uh, that the, the idea of, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast and people hear that all the time. People hear that all the time, but it's so true. It really is. I mean, you can have the best strategy in the world. You can have the best operating model in the world, best processes, roles and responsibilities, all of that stuff in place, that fully interconnected system of, of how things should work. But if you don't have the culture that supports that, then it's really a, a breaking factor uh, around how successful you're going to be when you implement your operating model. And so, and so I think a positive and collaborative culture is, is fundamental. Um, it really drives employee engagement. Uh, it facilitates that communication. It fosters the innovation that I just spoke about before. Um, all of these things are absolutely essential in, uh, in executing the ambition of the organization. Um, and so, yeah, like I said before, any kind of negative or toxic culture gets in the way and really, you know, leads to employees resisting any change, not being motivated, um, to, to really buy into the, the new world. So there's, there's, there's several steps, I think, just to answer your question, there's several steps that, that leaders can take to, to overcome this hurdle. And again, 
there's, there's a lot of uh, frameworks out there, a lot of content. There's, there's a lot to cover in this space because it's so important and it's very, and it is hard to, to achieve. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll briefly touch upon some of the, some of the steps that can be taken. So I think, you know, number one, uh, it probably goes without saying, but it's absolutely crucial is encourage a sense of belonging. Um, time after time, research has really demonstrated that if you have an environment where employees feel they belong, then it's likely to lead to better business outcomes. Uh, employees want to feel a sense of belonging. They, they want to come to work. They want to enjoy what they do. They want that sense of purpose. They want to know how their work contributes to that bigger picture and really feel the passion behind what they do. So leaders can really foster a sense of belonging by ensuring that their employees are, are engaged and committed um, as much as possible in order to successfully implement the, the operating model. So it's interesting when you talk about engagement as well in this, this time where we've got a lot of people uh, working remotely, I think um, that's where you need to start really having tailored approaches to how you get that sense of belonging. And I think often leaders today are a bit afraid of how to do that in, in that sort of technologically um, centric environment. Um, and it, it's interesting to sort of look at the organisations today, particularly, you know, in the public sector at uh, how they're doing that. And I think there's some good examples nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what are sort of, what are some of the examples that you've seen, Lauren, in terms of that working well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, people are really leveraging their, even just things like Teams, um, things like, uh, different AI technologies, Asana, um, different tools that keep you connected to what you're doing, but also, I guess, connecting to your team uh, in a way that is almost as good as face-to-face. -face. I don't think um, everyone needs to have that nowadays. And using the time that you do come together to do what you can only do face-to-face, -face, you know, having those those lunches and, and workshops where you're really sort of active um, mm. rather than wasting that that time where you've got everyone in the room just sitting at individual desks and and teams meeting each other from different rooms so mm. yeah. yeah it's interesting where you start to talk to teams that feel really strong in their sense of belonging they've got um, I think generally like you were saying before that great sense from their leaders of um, of why they're there uh, and a, a sense of trust that toxic workplace is not there in those organisations. So what other what other things would you say we should be doing though? So we've got a sense of belonging. Uh, what should other uh, what should organisations be doing as well? And just getting back to what you said, I mean, I think it's, it's really important to. I do I do see a lot of the time where people just come into the office for the sake of coming into the office, but it's about using that time, that FaceTime, you know, appropriately. And it, it, I don't think it's, yeah, there needs to be sort of some clear structure and guidance around 
exactly how to do that to really um foster that sense of belonging it doesn't it shouldn't just be don't waste that face time just make the best use of it when everyone's together so um so yeah i thought that was quite uh that was a good point that you just made there around that uh, that idea of sense of belonging but just to answer your question yeah i think there's yeah there's other there are other um steps as well other things that leaders can do i think you know this this idea of empowerment um I've, I've touched upon that already in previous questions um empowering them to to contribute as much as possible is is, is critical uh i don't think culture building is solely the responsibility of leadership and management i think it's really the the responsibility of employees at all levels and so to do that they need to be encouraged as much as possible to play that active role in shaping the the workplace culture um and i think communication as well you know again mentioned that before but just open transparent communication there's does it just creates that sense of trust and and trust is fundamental for any kind of positive workplace culture and so you know if, if leaders are more proactive around sharing information about the operating model you know uh, clarifying why we're doing things what's the purpose what are the outcomes how are we tracking um you know not just within a particular team but across across the board the more transparent and open we are with communication and, and information the more the more likely there is to be trust and and really the more likely it is that employees will will understand why we're doing things the rationale behind why we're doing things and that can really help to alleviate any potential resistance that uh, that might be in place so just to summarize i think sense of belonging is key empowering employees is key and communicating openly and being as transparent as possible is also key yeah wow i think um you know when you put those things together i think everyone can agree that's the culture we want any organization we work in to have so it it follows that that's what we should be trying to do within our own organizations and um and for us within you know client organizations as well um i think you know you know that uh organizational culture is a, a passion of mine and I think for many people in our sort of business, I think the reason that we have that passion is because you can see the results that get driven from having um, a strong culture to support business transformation. Mm. Um, but one final question before you go, I know uh, our time is nearly up together, but um, what are some of the common pitfalls, challenges that organizations face when they're implementing these operating model approaches. I know we've talked about all the great things you should do within them and how effective they can be, but I imagine it's not always quite so straightforward. Uh, so how can we avoid the pitfalls and what, what are they? Yeah, yeah, that's great. So again, excellent question and uh, yeah there is, is there are there are a number of pitfalls i guess work workplace culture is probably the biggest but there are obviously other challenges as well and, and leaders and 
and and teams just just need to be really aware of these to to help um, to help implement an operating model approach successfully. We've touched on communication uh, and how important that is. I think lack of adaptability is um, is, is is a common is a common pitfall. It's a it's a it's a challenge. Um, it's a challenge that um, the organisations face. It's it's the realization that uh, that you always have to you, you you're constantly evolving, and, and it's not just a one off. As I said before, it's you can't just stand still. You've got to you've got to really be aware of what's going on around you, and and be ahead of the curve in you know technological advancements, you know um, market shifts. You've really got to be finger on the pulse when it comes to exactly what is happening around you in order to, to then figure out how to then what does that what are the implications of that on your operating model so you can be as agile and adaptive as as possible um it's not i i, I have had experience where you do not model projects you implement that and then it's not you know following that it's not really kept up to date things have changed in the background. And so you really start, sometimes you have to start from scratch to really understand the current state before then changing uh, the op model to align to the uh, to any changes in the environment. So I think it's really important to, as part, as, apart from just understanding how things are changing in the business environment, I think it's really important to, to continuously keep your any kind of documentation your op model up to date at all times. I think also I, I hear people kind of talk about um, that agility and adaptability as just being uh, using an agile project methodology. You know, they think, oh, if we have an agile based project, it will be agile. Um, but it doesn't, I think people uh, who aren't as well versed in this will sort of think that that ends when the project is delivered um, and that's the trouble it's not about uh, the project rollout adaptability it's about um, the ongoing implementation management um, and updating of these sorts of um, thoughts uh, priorities and uh, your approach to delivery that you need to be constantly adapting and and um, reviewing with your teams yeah 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 absolutely Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, to that point as well, I think, and something that's related is, is, is not spending enough time planning. We know people want things yesterday. We know people want to do things as quickly as possible, but you really need to spend the time and sufficiently planning exactly what your op model operating model looks like, not just at a very high level, but really important to go down to detailed design as well and invest the time and resources in doing that to then clearly define your goals, responsibilities and, and you know, timelines going forward to, to, tr to transition to that future state. Um, you know, but just be mindful that these things take time. We can't just jump straight into delivery mode. We do need to spend time making sure we're all on the same page and we've got sufficient detail that we can then leverage to, to, to know exactly what we should be uh, working on and how we can actually move from where we are today to where we need to be in the future. And I think, and I know I've, I've said this 
a few times in this podcast. I think the the people are just so important. They're, they're so important, like the greatest asset of any organization. And it's so, it's, it's, it's a real shame when any kind of employee concerns are just overlooked, just ignored. Um, so it, it, do not, yeah, do not underestimate the, 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 the power of the people, if you like, the, the, the value that they bring and, and what they see on a day-to-day basis and what they, if they are concerned and if they've got, if they've got feedback and wanting to voice it, I think it's really essential to address any concerns or questions or doubts that they might have about the new operating model and just have open dialogues and, and actively listen to them. If you can do that, you can, you can cover all bases. You can, you can really alleviate any fears and ensure that you're, you're on track to, um, to delivering your, the new world and the new ways of working. So again, I think the common theme across this whole podcast is, is really the importance of the people that you're, that are within your organization and, and the value that they can bring to, uh, to, to your operating model approach. Definitely. I think, um, yeah, that's certainly been very clear in this conversation and, and work we've done previously. I think, um, you know, it can never be underestimated the value, um, the value that a good, well-engaged team can bring. And I suppose, you know, if you want to get the most out of, you know, consulting engagements, projects, um, and, you know, when you've got change management teams in, if you want to get the most out of them, you need to be thinking about your people and being their best advocate uh, to ensure every every question, every concern is covered. Um, and by doing that, you get such more bang for your buck, I think, and longevity out of the work uh, that comes through. But um, I digress. We could talk forever about it. But uh, thank you so much, Andy, for sharing your advice and your perspectives on the physical operating environment. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. That's great. I appreciate your, your questions. Good. All right. Thanks, Andy. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Lauren. Well, that's a wrap for episode one. We hope you enjoyed listening today and found our insights and approaches valuable. The transcripts of this episode is available to download from our website on www.corbettprice.com.au forward slash podcast. That's www.corbettprice.com.au forward slash podcast. And also please check out our free white papers and insights also available on the same website. Please tune in next week as we talk with Scott Johnston, Deputy Secretary of Revenue New South Wales, on our next dimension of organisational health, mental organisation agility and resilience.